that day you come and water the garden, there's a hose right here at the front of the church building. Turn the hose on, take it over there, water the garden, roll it back up. Pretty simple. Uh, so I know a few of you have already signed up for days. Thank you so much. I think we're getting pretty close to all the days being full. If you'd like to do that, you can. Uh, the next thing is Sunday, June 3rd. Say June 3rd. Say Sunday, June 3rd. That was much better. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. On June 3rd, we're going to do a church picnic that day. We're going to hang out. We're going to have lunch uh, as a church. And then, for those of us who'd like to stick around and help out, we're going to stain the fence uh, out front here. So we uh, that fence was built last fall, June 5th. Sunday, June the 5th. Sunday, June the 5th. Not June the 3rd. Let's say Sunday, June the 5th. Thank you for checking your calendars and giving me the heads up that June the 3rd is a Friday. Uh, yes, <laughs> Sunday, June the th- Friday, June the 3rd. I have an appointment that day. Uh, that's why that's in my head. Sunday, June the 5th. So Maddie will probably need to change the graphic as well because I told her the wrong date. Uh, whenever you post that on social media, well, let's say Sunday, June the 5th because that is a Sunday. Uh, we will have a church picnic, and then we're going to stain the fence out front. We built the fence last, f- last fall, so the, the wood is now ready to be stained, so we might want to stick around. We'll have all the materials here. Uh, we'll let kids run and play. Uh, we're thinking about getting, like, some, you know, kind of water gun, water feature stuff for kids to play with uh, and all that, and adults. If you get too hot, you could just cool off with a water gun. Uh, it's in a couple weeks. We'll do the picnic and, and stain the fence. And then, uh, oh, yes, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, we talked about last week Week is just the war that's happening in Ukraine and an opportunity that we have as a church family uh, to give to a, a family in Slovakia who's bringing in refugees into their home. So people from Ukraine, millions have been displaced from their homes. And uh, so there's a, a family in Slovakia that we have the opportunity to bless because they are renovating their house to take in refugees and house them for a little while uh, until they get their feet under them in a new country. So if you'd like to give to that, uh, those of you online, you can always give uh, on the website, those in here. If you want to give using an envelope, you can today and just write Ukraine on it. But if you give online, there's a drop down uh, in, in the, there's a fund uh, that says Ukraine Compassion in the drop down menu online. So if you'd like to give to that, you can do that uh, this morning. Bobby's going to be uh, bringing the word for us today. So let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. God, we pray that you'd speak through Bobby. We know that you've been talking to him, God, and stirring things up in his heart. So, God, I pray that you would just give each one of us open minds and and open hearts to receive what you want to say to us through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. This is the day that the Lord has made. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this side of the room. This is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, this is maybe one or, one or two people. We're doing great this morning. Hallelujah. Well, it's a great day. And uh, I love that song that we opened up with because it just kind of goes with how I felt this morning when I woke up. I um, really feel like, you know, sometimes we get so focused on what we're going to do that we miss out some of the gems in the moment that God has for us, right? And I thought this morning, you know what? I just want to enjoy the moment, this moment with you guys. Really just want to enjoy it. I want to, I want to sup with you, right? I want, to, I want to take in the word of God, the atmosphere that's pregnant with the Holy Spirit this morning. And I just want to enjoy each other because we're not going to be around forever, right? And who knows if our paths will 
part and go different ways at some point. But none of us get out alive, right? And uh, these, these bodies aren't getting any younger. younger. They're getting older. You know, here I'm complaining, right? Yeah, Methuselah might say, you don't know what old is until you get 969 years old. You think your body's bad? I got, try this body. It's, it's, it's an amoeba when you get my age. It's not even, there's nothing in it anymore. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, if you'll turn in your Bible, if you have your Bibles open, Genesis chapter 32. We're going to be looking at uh, Jacob's encounter. Jacob has an encounter. And uh, I just want to say, I, I am fighting allergies really bad this morning. So if I have to clear my throat and even choke a little bit up here, it's because the allergy season is just bad this year. But uh, I just remember what Paul said as I was worshiping. I just remembered what Paul was saying. You know, he, he was, Paul was talking about... Um, he was talking about this thorn in his flesh, right? That's the context where he said, but your grace, Lord, is sufficient for me because in my weakness, your strength is perfected. And I, I'm not a professional speaker, so I'm already, you know, down a couple of chips compared to pastor, but, um, but I'm also fighting allergies this morning, so if you would just pray for me. So Genesis chapter 32. Do we have it? No slides? Okay. Oh, there we go. So during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons. Wow, what a family. And he crossed the Jabbok River. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him. Rassled. I'm from Tennessee, so we got to say rassle there. A man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your man, the man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for this day, Lord, this time that we have together, O oh Lord, and we're here to encounter you just as Jacob encountered you, Lord. And our ears, our spiritual ears are open to your word this morning. Holy Spirit, just move among us and reveal yourself. Reveal yourself strengthen us i just decree that the word shall not return void amen so to properly introduce this story sorry i have to work pull my glasses out here give me just a second 
So to properly introduce this story, we have to go back to the birth of Jacob. So if you go back a few chapters, you go to back, back to chapter 25, you'll see that Jacob was one of two sons. He was a twin, uh, not an identical twin. When you read it, you'll know right away that these were not identical twins. They were fraternal twins, I believe that's what you call them. But he was one of two sons born to Isaac and Rebekah. If you remember, Abraham, who was Isaac's father, Jacob's grandfather, received a promise from the Lord. The Lord told him that he would make his, his descendants numerous, right? And that he would bless his seed. In other words, the seed of Abraham would eventually give birth to Christ, the Messiah. And that would come through Jacob's line. So, here you have Isaac and Rebekah, and when Rebekah is pregnant with twins, there's a struggle going on in her belly. You know, anybody who's been pregnant, you know, you kind of see the, 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 the baby moving around and punching the belly and, and moving around. It's pretty awesome to feel that, right? It's like, wow, there's a human being in there. You know, I knew it, but now I really feel it, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, she had twins, and they were literally struggling in her belly, and she went and she prayed, and God told her that there were two nations struggling in her belly. And he says something. It's pretty amazing here. He says, and the older shall serve the younger. You see, God knew who those kids were before they took their first breath. He knew who they were. So the first baby came out. And, and this is pretty amazing when you read the description of this baby, because this is Esau, right? So the first baby comes out, and the Bible says he's red and he's hairy. He's like a rug or fur coat. And, and so they named him Esau. Let's try it again. And so they named him, which means hairy. You know, you can almost see that in your mind, you know. There's Isaac, you know, and Rebecca's giving birth, and here comes the baby, and Isaac, whoa. I said, what do you want to name him? Uh, how about Harry? <laughs> you know, yeah, let me think about that, yeah. So one of the amazing things, though, when, when Esau was born, the next baby had his heel was grabbing onto his heel and would not let go. You can kind of see this picture, baby one. Ooh, Harry. Baby, baby two. Oh, there's baby two. It's like a chain link, right? And so the second baby comes out, and because he's holding the heel, they name him Jacob, which means heel grabber. Yeah. That's right, heel grabber or deceiver. How would you like that name? Yeah, yeah, I'm Jacob. <laughs> you know, people instantly trust you based on your name, right? Yeah, yeah my name's Jacob. Uh, so he's kind of doomed from the beginning, right? He's got this name that means heel grabber. So all his life, he's, he's got this name. His brother grows up, and he's the man's man, you know? He's the big, burly hunter, gatherer, fisherman, you know, and Isaac loved 
Isaac loved Esau. There was a connection there, maybe because he was a man's man. We don't really know, but we know Isaac loved Esau. And Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob wasn't that big hunter. He was, he liked to cook. He liked to cook. Nothing wrong with that if you like to cook. I know a lot of you guys like to cook. He liked to cook. But he, he ends up swindling his brother. His brother comes in from being out in the field. He's hungry. And he ends up swindling his brother, convincing his brother that he would give him this bowl of lentil, lentil soup, for his birthright. And I can see Esau's point. He's like, yeah, if I say it, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, sure, yeah, you can have my birthright. Give me that bowl of lentil. So he winds up giving him his birthright. So he deceives him swindles his birthright, and then between Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, they end up deceiving Isaac, who's really old at this point, can't see, can't hear very well, and they end up concocting this, this plan on how to deceive Isaac into getting the birthright blessing, you know, and uh, so what happens? He gets the blessing. They deceive Isaac. And that's who he is. He's living up to his name. And not just that, but his mother's the same, same way. And then when Esau finds out that, yeah, he stole my blessing. He stole my blessing. So Esau wants to kill him. So Isaac and Rebekah send him away to his uncle Laban, where he lives for 20 years, where his uncle's lying to him too. He's being deceived by his uncle. Uh, his, his, uh, his cousins don't trust him. He... He, he marries first Leah by accident, you know. How did that happen? I don't know, but it happened. But he was in love with Rachel. So eventually he gets Rachel after 14 years of working for his uncle. And then after, after 20 years, it's time to go. You know, he's prospered, his uncle's prospered, and he's been in this lion cheating thing going on and this baby war going on so you can read it all for yourself it's it's a pretty interesting story not just the historical context of it but we're going to talk more about the spiritual spiritual context but i'm trying to lead up to where jacob is at penile he's at a moment in his life where there's going to be a change you know god is in the business of creating character in us and there's there's times in our lives where it's just incremental improvements, right? God is not going to let you stay the same person you were when you met him. It just won't happen. You know, God that begun a good work in you will continue that work until the day of redemption. You know, he's going to perfect you, right? Your resistance to that sometimes prolongs it, but eventually he says, no, no more. I got to take you to the next place. I got to get you ready. And so this is not one of those incremental improvements in Jacob's life. He has the blessing of the birth. He has the birthright blessing. He's blessed. He's favored. Everything he touches turns to gold. He's prospering. But there's something not quite right about Jacob at this point. Because, see, he's still inside of his heart. He's still hollow. He's still fighting something about himself. And so that's where Jacob encounters God. Now, this is a, that's what I call a breakthrough, right? So there are moments where you encounter God, you get a breakthrough. And sometimes you just know, I, I need a breakthrough. I'm tired of this. And, and the Bible's not clear. I think Jacob was tired of where he was in life. 
even though he was prospering? You know, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you, you can accomplish. You can still be hollow inside. You don't have joy. You don't have contentment. You don't have peace. You're living your life, and you get all this stuff, and I've got all these achievements, and I don't even have peace. And I think that's where Jacob was at this point. His brother, so he's going back to the land of Canaan. It's been 20 years, so he sends, sends, some, sends some people for him, and he says, go tell my brother I'm coming. And those people come back, and come back, and said, yeah, we told your brother. And he got 400 warriors together from his camp, and they're coming. And so there's Jacob that night. You know, he's thinking a lot about this. He's like, man, it's been 20 years. Can he forgive me for that lentil soup? Can he just forgive me for, for doing that? It's, it's been 20 years. So he's sitting there in the camp. He can't sleep. He decides, probably out of fear and safety, to move his wives and his children and his prized possessions over the Jabbok River. He's going to get back. He's going to pull back a little bit, right? Pull my prized possessions, the things that mean the most to me. I'm going to pull back, go over the Jabbok River here. So he was at a point of desperation. And the Bible says that he is, he wrestles with the man. So this is a pretty, I was real curious about this. He wrestles with the man. Some scholars say he wrestles with an angel. Some scholars says he wrestles with God. But either way, wherever you're at with that, he's encountering God on this night. He can't sleep. He's the only one awake. He's all alone, the Bible says. He's thinking about what's going to happen the next day. And he encounters God. Now, one thing I know from personal experience, it's impossible to encounter God and not see yourself. James says in chapter 1 that, and he's talking in the context of listening, hearing, and doing the word, but it's the same. It's like looking into a mirror and seeing yourself and walking away and forgetting about what you look like, he said, when you hear the word and you're not a doer. When you encounter God, you see yourself. When you read the word, you see yourself in reflection of God's glory, his righteousness, his holiness. You begin to see yourself and you're like Isaiah, woe is me. Yeah, wow, I'm pretty crummy. You know, I got a lot of work to do. Lord, you got to help me, right? So he's encountering God, and he's seeing himself. And I got to think he doesn't like who he sees, right? He's not liking the reflection that he sees when he encounters God. So um, he's desperate. He needs something. He doesn't quite know what he needs, but he knows he can't go another day without something happening. Something has to change. Have you ever been to that place where you said, you know what, God? I can't go. I can't go another day like this. Something has to change. I don't want to leave here the same person I was when I got here. When I go, when I wake up, Lord, I, I got to have And that's where he's at. He's at a point of desperation. And desperation 
It's a human condition, often marked by hopelessness. Typically, when you see people in a desperate situation, they're not thinking logically, right? You got all this emotion, and you're desperate, and you're hopeless. And, and you may even do something irrational, reckless. I might be just, just a little reckless in my, in my behavior because I'm so desperate. And so Jacob is desperate. He was born a wrestler. He's wrestling. He's wrestling with this idea of who he is. See, Jacob, he had lived his life like many of us do. He had lived his life scheming, taking things in his own hand. He was not waiting on the Lord. He was taking the bull by the horns, right? That's the type of person he was. He already knew. I'm sure his mother told him that the older would serve the younger. He already knew that, and he already had this innate desire to usurp himself over Esau. He was born that way. He, was, he, was, he wanted to get out of the womb first, consciously or subconsciously. He was fighting to come out first, and that's why he had the heel of his ankle. And he had been that way his whole life. But instead of waiting on the Lord to bring about the word that he gave his mother, he took things in his own hand. He took the bull by the horns, and he took it in his own hand. I don't know anybody's ever taken the bull by the horns, by the way. That, that's an that's a, uh, analogy that I don't really understand, but I guess if you have a 3,000-pound bull and he's mad, you can grab the horns and maybe steer him. I, I wouldn't recommend you try that. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work out to your benefit. <laughs> but he's, he, the point I'm trying to make here, he didn't wait, right? And I, and I know someone else in the Bible who did wait, David. David waited. He was anointed by Samuel. He waited 15 years, 15 years for the promise of God to manifest until he became king. 15 years he waited and he waited, right? And it was David who said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, right? Your heart, you're believing in something. You ever believed in something? You just knew God was, was going to do it, and you're, you, you were tempted. Maybe I'll just go do it myself. Yeah, I better wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to have faith, you know. And that faith inside of your soul where your spirit, spirit man speaking to you saying, just wait. You waited, and it came about, and your heart was strengthened. Your faith was strengthened. You, when you went through the roof, you're like, woohoo! Yes! God showed up, made it happen. So, let me tell you this story. I had a, um, in, in 2017, I had a God encounter. It's a really painful situation in my life. Um, I, I don't want to, I really don't want to go through the details of that situation. Just to say that I was at a point where the rug got pulled out from underneath me. And I was in a space of time in my life where I couldn't go back and I couldn't go forward. And if you're ever in that point, 
the devil wants to come in and pound you and grind you to a pulp. He wants to destroy you. And I found myself day by day not being able to go back or forward in life. God had me in a place where I had to wait on him. And at first, I just wanted to be the take the bull by the horns guy and go out and make it happen myself. Anybody relate? I just want, I had to go do something. And I started that way. And I really felt in my spirit God saying, wait. You're not ready. This is your penile. I got to change something about you. And so day by day, as the thoughts and the enemy would grind me, I would go into my secret place. I would go into my closet, and I would pray. I would read the word. I was piling up the word of God because I knew that if I had the word, then that word could get into my spirit, and I could get faith that God was going to move. I could get faith that something was going to happen here, but I had to feed myself this word, and I would find any scripture to support that was in contrast to what the devil was telling me. Whenever I heard the words of the devil, I knew he was a liar, he's a deceiver, and I would go and find the word of God that would just contrast that and obliterate it, right? The word of God, God powerful, the Bible says. And we know that darkness cannot stop the word. Darkness cannot conquer the word. In John, the word was with God. The word was God. The word was with him in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. There wasn't anything made without him. And word of God, right? In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the best part, the best part. And the light shined in dark darkness, and darkness could not stop it. Woo! Darkness cannot stop the word. Hallelujah. Get that into your spirit, guys. Darkness cannot stop the word. So I had to get this word in me. I had to, I had to, it needed to manifest in my heart to where that word made me stronger. And as I worshiped and I prayed, for a long time, I got nothing, to be honest. Didn't even get a little cold chill, you know, here, up there, you know. You know. I was just sitting there praying, praying, and I started fasting, too. I was like, oh, I got to hear from God. You know, I got desperate. God, I need you. Where are you at? Do you not see me? Do you not know? And at some point during that time, when I could neither go backwards or forwards, I started to get these downloads from God. And I remember the first one. It was well before he started giving me other things too. But one of the things he said in my spirit as I was praying and I was praising him one day, he said, have you considered the eagle? Have you considered the eagle? Well, that's kind of a weird thought to pop up in my heart. Have I considered the eagle? So I did. I got on Google. I said, what about the eagle? What about the eagle? And I ran across this story, and it just kind of captivated me, this story about a, a, uh, a pilot who was older, and he was reflecting on when he was learning to fly. 
And when he was learning to fly, he learned in a, one of the gliders, you know, when the gliders has like an airplane that's like a tug, right? It pulls it up, and then it releases it, and you kind of float down. And he had this older seasoned pilot that would sit behind him that was training him, and he would take him up, and he would train him how to fly. And he said one day he was flying, and it was early on in his training, and all of a sudden, this older seasoned pilot said, you feel that? I said, no. I didn't feel anything. So they kept flying. He said, did you feel that? He said, what, that, that little lift on the wing there? He said, yeah, that lift. He said, when you feel the lift, pull back, change your pitch, roll into it. Okay? He's flying again. He felt it again. He missed it. By the time he thought about it, he, it was too late to react. Then he felt, and again, he was ready. The next one he felt, he pulled back, he changed his pitch, and he rolled into it, and he hit a thermal. The thermals in certain parts of the earth, heat begins to rise, and it creates a thermal. You'll see birds of prey, like eagles and vultures, hawks. You'll see them just soaring. They never flap their wings, right? They never flap their wings. They just kind of soar on the thermal. And he said, one day, he was out there by himself. The pilot wasn't with him. Late in his training, he was flying, and he felt the wing. And by this time, he got good. He got good at doing this. He said, I got to where I knew where those thermals were going to be. I would look, and I would intentionally go in those directions. I knew where the thermals were. He said, I'd catch a thermal. And he said, as a glider, that's the best thing you could do because you get to fly much longer, much higher. And he said, one day, I hit a thermal, and as I was going around that thermal, I look up, and there's an eagle. He's in the same thermal, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and we're going round and round and round and round and round and round and all the way up together like a dance. And then it, I come out. And the Spirit of the Lord said, look at Isaiah 40, 31. God gives you the word when you need it. He said, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall take up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not faint. They shall walk. Finish. God gives you the word when you need it. And I needed that word because it came alive at that moment. I said, thank you, Jesus. I need to know that waiting is the right thing to do. I needed to know that. God is so good. So Jacob is face to face. He understands who he is now. He's, he's glancing in the mirror. He had built his house. On sand, right? He had built the house of cards. The other day we were watching TV and my kids saw them building the house of cards. You ever done that? Yeah, and I had, I had that older brother, you know. He would come by. <laughs> and I'd spent all this time building this house of cards. He'd come by and go. Yeah, were you that older brother? Okay. We'll point you out. Yeah, he had built a house of cards. It, it, it was crumbling at this point in his life. So 
But God was not going to allow Jacob to proceed into the promised land without making a fundamental change. He could not because, see, Jacob was illegal at this point. He was not legally sanctioned by God to inherit the blessing. Not yet, right? He had stolen the birthright blessing. He had taken it. He had deceived for it. God had to make that right. You can't, you can't go in. You can't go in until I do this. And so he's wrestling with God. He was born a wrestler. Have you ever wrestled? Nobody? Don't, it's a hard sport. There's nowhere to hide. You know, in a lot of sports, it's a team sport. You can kind of hide, right? You messed up. Maybe nobody even noticed. But in wrestling, it's just you and your opponent, you know, and it's about balance, it's about strength, it's about technique, and it's about endurance. It's about perseverance. And if you got a good combination of those, you can go really far in the sport. Jacob was born a wrestler, and the one thing he had that God loved was he would never give up. He would always fight. He would always wrestle. He would always persevere, and God loved that about him. But God had to correct something. So Jacob, who's not giving up at this point, he's fighting. And the angel says to him, this guy's not going to give up, right? He's not going to give up. So the angel actually does something, touches his hip, and knocks it out of socket. And that's one of the most painful injuries you could have. But what he did was he humbled him. Before the blessing comes the humbling you have to be humbled. And throughout your life, you find yourself being humbled, right? Circumstances are well beyond what I can control. And you start, hey, God, I need you. I'm humbling myself. Hey, God, I need you. And so Jacob, he was humbled to receive the blessing. And God asked him what his name is. And he says, I'm Jacob. He confesses who he is. He says, I'm the deceiver. He says, no, you're not. You're not. From now on, your name is Israel. Your name is God contended, wrestles with God, triumphs with God. That's your name. I got one more story to share. Many of you may remember what it was like after September 11, 2001. I think uh, the world changed. America changed. Many people changed. There was, there was revival. There were people coming to the Lord. It was a situation that just pulled the rug out from underneath our, our nation. And, and people saw that situation, the gravity of it, and how big this was. And they started to look to God. It was about that time in my life where I had strayed from the Lord. See, I got saved when I was 15 to college, strayed from the Lord. And I was just early in my career at that point. And uh, I was not living for God. I knew God. I was still saved. But I wasn't living for God. And when that happened, it made me reflect on where I was at and who I was. And I was struggling. 
I was struggling spiritually. You know, on the outside, I look at a young professional. I was doing very well, had a great job, had a lot of good things going. But on the inside, I was like Jacob. I was just very unhappy. Didn't have the joy, didn't have the peace. So throughout that next year, and that happened in September of 2001, and September, and, and by uh, 2002, that whole year, I spent just the Holy Spirit was drawing me. I started going back to church, started to read my Bible again. And by January of 2003, I heard a message, a podcast, I believe, Dr. Charles Stanley. He said, do you really want to encounter God? Not just know about God. Do you want to encounter God? And I thought, yeah. <laughs> yes. I need something real, tangible. I need to know that he's here. He said, do these three things. Nothing special. He said, get up every morning. Read your Bible. Pray. Worship. Meditate on that word. Do these things. He says, you will encounter God. I thought, well, I'm going to do these things. So I started in January, and it was like a stir in the pot, right? Spiritually, things were changing. Things were breaking. And I was going to this little country church that my dad went to, and I remember at the time thinking, there's something missing in my life because I was getting really hungry for God. So hungry, I was, I was just hungry for God and experience with the Lord. And one day in my prayer time, as I, I was praying to the Lord, he touched a little point in my heart and said, hey, he showed me who I was. He says, I'm not going to allow you to live under this lie anymore. This is a turning point. He says, the lie is that you're not good enough. See, my father spoke a curse over me, consciously, unconsciously. I grew up, my parents weren't Christians. They are today, praise God. But they were broken people. And one day I'll share my, share my testimony and kind of get a gist of who my parents were so you kind of understand the life I lived as a child. I always had my parents. They were very broken people. And my dad and mother would say th things like, boy, that was stupid. You can't do anything right, can you? Or my dad's favorite saying, you'll never amount to a hill of beans. Right? <laughs> but those things, the devil will take those negative words, those curses. You know, you speak life or death. With this tongue, right? You have to bridle the tongue, James says. It's powerful. Those things spoken over me all my life as a child, they just got replayed in my mind. The devil would just grind me to the pulp. By the time I was a teenager, I believed every one of them. I, were, I was these things. I will never do anything right. And I fought so hard to do everything perfect to please my parents. That's all I ever wanted. I wanted them to be proud. I worked so hard for them to be proud. But I still had that underlying 
something underneath the surface that would always tell me, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're insufficient. You can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. And that's what God revealed to me that day. And, he, and I hear him as clear as day in my spirit, not, not outside, but in my spirit, I heard him say, you're good enough. He says, you're good enough. You are good enough. You are good enough. And then he didn't stop there, but he gave me his word. He said, go to Psalms 27. This is your scripture. Because God sent his word, the Bible says, and healed them. His word is a healer. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten son of the father. The Bible says his word came to heal. So God gave me his healing word in Psalms 27. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And God says, you don't have to live under this doubt, under this inadequacy, this, this feeling. It's a lie. It's a lie. Know your strength is in me and be healed. And I held on to that scripture even to this day. Because the enemy never stops working on the strategy. You'll work on it your entire life. You've got you to gotta, you gotta contend for what God wants you to have. Just like Jacob wrestled, he contended for what God wanted him to have. But God didn't stop there. It's like an infomercial. There's more. There's more. So as I was praying, I was going to a little Baptist church. I didn't grow up in church. Grew up in the church of heathen. I'm praying. I'm worshiping. I'm getting touched by God like crazy. You know, I'm just loving this. It's just me and God every day, every morning. And I'm so thankful that God is revealing this stuff to me. And I'm getting these downloads and being in his presence. And I'm on my knees one morning in the middle of my living room. Nobody else there. I'm just praising and I'm worshiping God. And I'm just wooing God like I would woo a girl. You know, just, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. You're so great. Oh, you're so awesome. You're so generous. You know, just all the things I could say to God, I was saying to God in, in this pressure of praise within my spirit, not, not physically, but within my spirit, began to grow and grow and grow. But but my words ran out. And at that moment, I heard a spirit language. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. A Baptist boy who grew up in the church of heathen. Nobody led me through that. I actually freaked out. I actually called my dad, who was just going to starting to go to church and was a new Christian. And I could see him. I said, Dad, you're going to think I'm crazy. And I told him about it. And he said, well, there's scripture in the Bible that's going to support that. He said, maybe you need to go to a different church. And so I did. So that was my in introduction into uh, Pentecostal church. <laughs> but I say all that to say that God is so good when you turn into him, when you encounter him. I want to finish this with a song, and I'm not Josh French. <laughs> I'm fighting allergies, and I'm not sure how this is going to go. But pray for me.
shackled by a heavy burden. Neath the load of guilt and shame. Sorry. Then the hand of Jesus. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy. That floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Since I've met this blessed Savior, since he's cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout while eternity rolls. Because he touched me, whoa, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. You see, something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Sorry, guys, I really had the intent of singing that song. But when you encounter God, and he does something like this in your life. You never forget it, right? You just never will forget that moment. And that's, I'm just so grateful that I'm not the same person. Just like Jacob, he was so grateful for that moment at Peniel where he came face to face with God. And he talked about it and he shared this story. Bow your heads. Maybe you came in here today. Maybe you're, maybe you're spiritually dry. I think a lot of us have been there. Maybe you're mentally, physically, emotionally. Maybe you're drained. Maybe life has just drained you. Maybe you're at that point where you need an encounter with God. You need some fundamental change in your heart. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm not going to look around. Nobody's going to look. This is... Ultimately, this is between you and the Lord. That's who you're signaling right now, not me, not anybody else. But if that's you, raise your hand. Let the Lord know, I need you. I need change. I don't want to go on another day, the same person, the same way, the same, same life. Something's got to change.
and I need you, Lord, to change it. Bless you. If everybody would just pray after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you showed up today. And I receive your word. And I just pray today, Abba Father, that you would change me. That you would make me more like Christ. That I would not leave here the same person I was when I came here but that I will be blessed by you. And I thank you, Lord. And I'll give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you so much for sharing from your heart today. Oh, that was wonderful. Man, that story about Jacob was so powerful, and uh, it really spoke to me. I know for me personally, so many times I've decided to do it myself and said, okay, God, I know you promised, but I'm just going to go, and I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to get, uh, you know, what, what, I, what I want, what I need right now instead of waiting, so that was good. Would you stand with me this morning, and uh, we'll read our theme verse of 2022 today. And uh, just a reminder, next week I'll continue uh, Romans chapter 8 where I left off last week because we did not finish the message last week.